0: On this episode of Short-Term High Volatility Investments, we cover the NBA Three-Point Contest, the NBA Dunk Contest, and then we dive right into picks and spots for NBA
1: Thursday night. Enjoy the show. This is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. What's going on, guys? Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets here alongside my main man, Ant Latino, the Odds Fellow. This is short-term high volatility investments. We've got a great slate of content for you, short and sweet, because we're heading into All-Star Weekend. We're talking three-point contests. We're talking some bets for tomorrow. That's going to be Thursday. It's already March. The Madness is here. We'll be talking about that in a couple weeks. Ant, talk to me. What's going on, brother?
0: I'm just pumped to be back, uh, getting some more content out. Like you said, we're, we're super focused on March Madness and everything to come. I think we're you know, we going to do some deeper dives uh, around the tournament. Uh, we're about to walk into NBA All-Star Game, which I'm you know, also pumped for. Brings back a lot of memories of All-Star Weekend, watching the dunk contest, watching the three-point contest. But that also means we don't have a ton of games on the slate. So we just want to get this
1: out quick and dirty and, and have a little bit of fun. Amen, man. And now let's start with the three-point contest here, right? The skills competition, you know, kind of reminds me of summer camp, something that I'm not particularly passionate about. Three-point competition, on the other hand, kind of reminds me of my younger self when this lefty jumper was good from all over the place. I've the seen place. it. The, the, man, <laughs> the man can shoot.
0: I've seen it. It's real. It's real. He can
1: shoot sometimes. You have to have an asterisk there. Yes. Very streaky shooter. But nonetheless, we've got the three-point contest. We don't have odds yet, but we do have a pretty good slate here between Booker Curry, two returning champions, Tatum Brown, Levine, and Donovan Mitchell. First all-star, Gary, our first three-point contest we've ever had with every participant in it being a current NBA all-star. I'm sure there was a little bit of a COVID precaution there in terms of those selections, but nonetheless, here we are. Any any, uh, any thoughts right off the dump? No, I love what
0: you mentioned about this being the first time all six are actually participating in the game. I think the contest itself is actually at halftime,
1: right? Is that the way they're structuring this? I think it's pre-game, and then the dunk contest is at halftime. Believe right. three individuals at the dunk contest. So that's important, right?
0: Keep in mind, all six of these guys, then legs are intact. Maybe not a factor, right? But you you got to think about that. Legs
1: are intact. So so that's
0: important. But the other thing that I think is really interesting before we get into some of the data and the stats, there's actually two guys in this mix that could be the first in the history to win both a dunk contest and a three-point contest, and that's Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz and Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, so a little bit of fun a little bit of wrinkle there you have the two returning champs you have these two who can make some some history in the all-star game so you know i think some fun things to look out for you also have a duo right which i know happens from time to time but in a field of six i was kind of surprised to see both Jalen brown and jason tatum in the mix i also don't always think about Jalen brown as a three-point shooter uh so that one jumped out a, a little bit but i know you know typically in a brad stevens offense they're they're firing away
1: Yeah, and, you know, we're getting into the data here. I was surprised to see, honestly, either of those guys in terms of three-pointers. You know, previous years we've had, like, Joe Harris, like three-point specialist in the three-point contest, um, which I do appreciate. You know, I think worth calling out here before, again, we get into the current lineup. uh, Booker, you know, 2018 champion, 2020 runner-up. Uh, And he does hold the record for most points in any round with 28. He went 28 for 34 in terms of shots made without the money balls. He went 25 for 30, the, the second best ever. Steph Curry, 2015 uh, champion, where in 2015, he went 27 for 34, uh, but 23 for 30 without the money ball. So he had a couple more money balls to get close to that 28 points, but not quite. He then repeated that exact same performance in 2019, 27 for 34, uh, 23 for 30 without the money ball. So I think we're going to have a a pretty good competition here. Uh, Early thoughts on the favorite?
0: I think you probably have to look at one of those two in, in the defending champs. I would imagine when the odds come out, those guys are going to be in the, you know, in the top of the list. I think where I'm actually going to look for a little bit of value is Donovan Mitchell, you know, just with some of his streakiness. You know, I'll go back and just have fond memories in my head of uh, Donovan Mitchell in the NBA bubble going head to head, toe to toe with Jamal Murray and, you know, putting on a show. Uh, both those guys were, you know, unbelievable to watch in that, that first round playoff series. Um, so, you know, if he can come in and, and get hot and you might see a little bit more value on the odds. But I do think the odds are going to spell out Booker and Curry. And you'd have to imagine for me, those are the top three. Right. I'm kind of, you know, I'm pushing down a little bit of the Celtics duo and I'm pushing down Zach Levine as good a year he, he has. And I, I think you got a target in those first three.
1: Yeah. And I think what's so interesting with Booker, I was looking at previous champions, three point percentage on the season as potentially a proxy of how we could figure out who's going to pop off here. Uh, when he won in 2018, he was shooting 38.3% from three, sub 40%. This year, he's 108th in the league in terms of three-point percentage of 367 um, so, you know, whatever, still within a standard deviation away from what he was then. But you look at previous winners, 2020, you know, 42.9, 2019, Joe Harris, 47.4%. You did have Eric Gordon in 2013 and only shooting 37.2. Uh, but then 2016 and 2015, Thompson Curry, 42.5 and 44.3%. So it seems like the winners outside of Devin Booker have all shot over 40%, at least in, in recent runs. And I think that's so crazy that, You know, one, he won it with a sub 40 percent and two runner up with it as well and holds the record. So, you know, I'm very torn on on what stat, if any, really matters here. You know, I think hit the money balls and put up more than 23 seems to be kind of the the, the key to success here. Um, But I did think that was very interesting that he has consistently been below what I would consider like elite three point shooting uh, percentage and has performed well in there. So there must be a little bit of that clutch factor, that kind of end the game factor that he clearly has but I thought something worth pointing out.
0: Yeah. I mean, in this year alone, obviously he's getting the, the, some better looks. So it's surprising to see some of that percentage drop with Chris Paul running the show. He's becoming a little bit more of an off ball scorer, you know, as you translate to the, to the real games, but I I think it'll be interesting and and hopefully we get a little bit of a show, right. That's what the all-star game's uh, all all about, you know, less crowd noise here. I I don't think, I don't, I have, I should look into what the situation is for who they're letting in and, how many people and what that means, some of these guys feeding off of it. But, you know, I think just alone Booker and Curry being in this before, not being first-time participants in this particular contest probably helps because you do want to know how to run through those racks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little bit of a skill.
1: Yeah, running through those racks. And let's not forget that Levine has also been in the, in the, in the three-point shooting contest, didn't do particularly well. Right. Uh, I believe that was last year. I'm not sure if he got out of the first round, but, uh, you know, some other things I thought interesting here, none of these guys uh, that are, that are going to be shooting are in the top 20 of three point percentage this year. I did not sort by sample size, but nonetheless, uh, you got Steph in, uh, or I guess Levine is the closest here at 21st in the league at 43.3% Curry, the next closest at 39th in the league at 41.3%. But, what I did find was interesting in terms of volume. You've got Steph and Levine are both are both uh, top 20 in terms of three-point made per game. But nonetheless, you know, this is kind of a, a ragtag crew based off a third three-point percentage. Booker at 36, again, Curry at 41, Tatum at 36, Brown at 38. Levine at 43 and Mitchell at 38, you know, I might hot, ride the hot hand Levine just a couple of weeks ago. He and uh, Kobe white, you know, went off for the most three-pointer duo, I think ever, maybe Steph and clay have a, have a say to that. I forget the exact stat, but leading the the charge here with a 43% clip going off That's as insane. of late yeah. kind of being disrespected at times. Right. I don't think Levine gets the credit that he should. I mean, obviously no, he,
0: either. He, he, Levine was a borderline, you know, barely made it into the all-star game, right? He was a fringe guy on a lot of, you listen to media, you listen to you know the the journalist. Uh, he was not really making it into everyone's ballot. So just to get him into the game and then ultimately into this contest, certainly could be a, a little chip on his shoulder.
1: Yeah, and I'm hoping he's hovering around like the plus 550 range. I think our right. favorites will be in the plus 300, of course. This is like the definition of a short-term high volatility investment. This is borderline gambling. Uh, but at the same time, I think the combination of him having performed perfor, per, performed before and not particularly well with the fact that he's got the highest shooting percentage, I'm looking for him as a, as a mild underdog, I think, with, with potentially some value.
0: No, I'm into that. Like I said, I do want to see these odds. And I think uh, Levine, for me, maybe looking at Mitchell – um, you know, riding some of the hot hands, you're you're making a value play there and kind of rolling the dice. So, have yeah. Some
1: fun. All right. Well, uh, any thoughts on the All Star game? Any thoughts on the slam dunk contest? I have zero on both of those. So not not part. a ton.
0: Obviously, I think just to highlight the All Star game or the the dunk contest, rather, for anyone listening, you know, it is going to be at halftime, like uh, like Jeff mentioned. So a little bit different of a format, they kind of condensed All-Star Saturday and got rid of it due to COVID. So it's jammed into and around the the game itself, uh, which features Team LeBron versus Team Durant. So you only have three, I think traditionally the last few years, we've seen four participants in the dunk contest. Mm -hmm. So you got Obi Toppin, you know, the chosen one, Obi-Wan Kenobi from uh, the New York Knickerbockers, Cassis Stanley from the Indiana Pacers, and then Anthony Simons, the guy Who's was only 21 years old, but I feel like I've been hearing about for five years from the Portland Trailblazers. Um, so it'll be fun to have those guys in the mix. They, they didn't really mess with the format. Everyone there is super young. You know, one thing that did jump out to me as I was doing a little bit of research, a little bit of grind in the, into the data. Uh, Cassius Stanley, who doesn't get a ton of minutes, did have a max vertical leap of 44 inches at the 2020 Combine tied for the third highest since, since the, since 2000. So, damn, you know, I'm sure all these guys can leap, but, but he can get up there. So I think it'll just be fun to see at halftime a, a little bit of a show. Do you think, you think Obi, you know, puts out this, this is kind of the year of the New York Knickerbockers.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Knicks are the best team in the league. Randall uh, should be the MVP of the league and <laughs> top it. Uh, he's getting more minutes. I don't know. I feel like, I guess. I, I was surprised. I, I feel like he's hated, been hurt. But,
0: yeah. He was banged up, you know, coming out. I, I don't think he started the year already right? started the year hurt. So, you know, should he be out there dunking? I don't know, but, but it'll be yeah, fun. I to last. Man.
1: Yeah. I love that Stanley handicap. Great find on the, uh, the vertical leap at the combine. Right. Um, you know, if I was going to bet it, I'd probably bet him based off of that. If I was betting with my heart, of course, I'm betting on the New York Knicks.
0: Right, so you're torn, uh, man. It could be a little emotional you know, hedge
1: for you, which we'll have to
0: dedicate a whole episode to the the old emotional hedge.
1: The emotional hedge. And also, it's going to be strange not to have, you know, maybe 2 chains performing at halftime. Right, I feel right. like that had become a staple of the All-Star game. Hopefully, they could squeeze in him or some other rapper Maybe in the pre-show, but uh, excited for the weekend. You know, I think it's a All-Star game, a little reprieve. We're halfway done. You know, we've had mixed results so far on the NBA, but hopefully, we can lick our chops, drink some beers, uh, get a little much-needed rest and recovery from handicapping the sport, and then bounce yeah. back next week. With uh, yeah,
0: it's always good to have a nice little break in there, right? I was thinking about forcing myself to, after a rough couple of days, do it. You know, do I pause and just watch some games, get some thoughts down on paper? So this almost naturally works out in a in a good way. We have. To today's wednesday we have games wednesday and thursday you guys will be listening to this on thursday so some games thursday night and then you go into the long weekend and i think they're off through monday or tuesday so uh you know a good little reprieve that i'm sure a lot of nba players are also
1: looking uh looking forward to yeah absolutely all right man well great stuff all around there uh let's move it into thursday night games um i know we've got some picks you're targeting i believe it was the thunder game what are we looking at there
0: Yeah. So just a a little proof in the pudding that, you know, it's not always about targeting the sexiest, biggest matchup. That's going to get the huge ratings. You know, I'm going deep into the Spurs thunder, which for anyone listening on the East coast, anyone probably not located in these cities uh, really could care less about, right. You know, maybe the diehard NBA fan uh, who loves Greg Popovich and everything he stands for the, the, you know, the bill Belichick equivalent of building an empire uh, in, in the NBA. And that's what pop has stood for. Um, the Spurs were actually, you mentioned it before, one of the teams uh, impacted pretty negatively by COVID. I think they mm. had a layoff. They played on January 14th, and then they were—they um, had four games postponed, didn't play for about 10, 11 days, showed up against these same Thunder on January 24th, their first game back, didn't have DeMar DeRozan in the lineup, and lost uh, 102-99. That was their second matchup against the Thunder. They played them earlier in the year back, uh, I guess, really in 2021. I thought it was 2020 for a second. But, yeah, January 12th. Uh, they beat them 112-102. In both cases, the Spurs have been kind of short favorites. They were two and a half favorites in that game that they won. They were a one-point favorite, but that line really flipped back and forth between the the Thunder and the Spurs in that most you recent uh, Thunder win. Um, a lot of that, I think, had to deal with the COVID layoff, where some of the money was coming in, the DeRozan status. But long story short here, these teams statistically are pretty close. I think you see that bear out and where the line's landed in these first two games, ultimately where the, you know, where the game's finished as well. But I do think the Spurs are a better team. They were, you know, they're playing pretty well. It's a little skewed. If, if you look, they're seven and three in their last 10, obviously there's a huge layoff in there. So it's like three or four games um, mm-hmm. you know, post layoff and, and a little bit pre, but the Thunder really came into the year looking to tank. They've been super scrappy uh, SGA has, has played really well. Uh, new coach in there that has them playing very well. So I think they've been playing above expectations, but I think the Spurs getting right, DeRozan getting back in the lineup. He was in for the Knicks victory last night. The Thunder are ultimately playing on Wednesday. So again, this is a Thursday night game. So the Thunder come in on a back to back. The Spurs come in off a day's rest off that Knicks W. Um, I think getting everyone back in the lineup, including DeRozan, who's been uh, playing very well this year, his assist uh, numbers are up three or four you know, uh assists per game above his career averages. He's shooting more threes. He's shooting a better percentage from three. The ball is running through him more. Popovich has really figured out how to get this team going. So I ultimately like where they're trending and and just think the Thunder are going to regress. Now I will look to see the line and see where it comes out. Um mm-hmm. you know given that last kind of you know we we call it the revenge spot right off that off that recent loss. But that's gonna kind of angle for Thursday. Kind of keep this momentum going. We've had some good picks on the show. So if the if the line speaks to me, it's going to be the Spurs on Thursday night.
1: I love it, man. And absolutely they throttled our Knicks last night, which was tough to watch. Uh, and they, the first, you know, yeah, they had the a...
0: first half, the first half juggernaut finally went down. I thought they were going to cover the first half as well. It was, it was, was there close. too. The Knicks yeah. did
1: have a nice barrage to, to almost get us there. And that's coming off yeah. of back-to-back for the Spurs after they took the, the Nets to overtime. So pretty right. solid there. I think one of the things you highlighted that I really love here. It's just looking at that total two seventeen in the first one one to two oh one went up in the second one to two eighteen uh and obviously missed again at two fourteen if that yeah. if that line is you know two eighteen two nineteen you know, I think we chalked those first two up as the outliers. I think we right. can hit that over there. But uh, I guess the no also DeRozan in matchup number one maybe changes that a little bit. It could come down and then went back up because DeRozan was playing. Uh, but that number, I think, is going to be key to, to hone in on and, and see what we're looking at. <laughs> All right, baby. That's a wrap, guys. Uh, short and sweet today, All-Star Weekend. You know, As once again, you know, hot beers, cold bets. Just kidding, of course. Hot bets, cold beers. This is short-term, Always. high volatility investments. I'm Jeff Sheesby alongside Ant Latino, the odds fellow, old man who bets. That's a wrap, We'll see you next week. I'll be back with a haircut. Enjoy it, folks. <laughs> this is one thirty-seven p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. One thirty-seven p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.